everybody and welcome today is friday and i am so happy to be here with you today for with friday thursday today's thursday oh my gosh i have my days like crazy today i am so excited to be here with you all today and i have such an amazing guest i'm super excited we've been texting back and forth i'm so stoked to be introducing her to you all today and the topic that we're going to be talking about is improving our mental health and are our thoughts dangerous and i've been talking to you guys about thoughts and how our thoughts can influence our emotions and our emotions can influence our well-being so we're going to be talking about thoughts and mental health and taboos and so many things and we're going to be also bringing uh, her book which she wrote an amazing book that i'm reading and it's amazing and i'm going to be uh, showing you guys the promo video for the book and if you guys want to get the book she will be giving you all of the information so you can get it and this girl is amazing she's phenomenal and let's bring into the stage khadija tutu I love it. I love it. <laughs> How are you, girl? <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. I am so excited to be interviewing you and be talking about your book. I'm in love with that. It's so amazing. I'm I'm in love with you. Because oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm just living life, you know, in this beautiful bliss. In this beautiful almost Friday. I know. You know, every day is Friday to me. So every day should be Friday, I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm like, it's Friday. No, it's not. <laughs> it feels like Friday. <laughs> I'm having fun. Exactly. Exactly. So I was telling the audience that you just wrote a book and I've been reading your book. The title of the book is Our, um, My Thoughts Are Dangerous, actually. My Thoughts Are... There we go. Oh, my gosh. And I love the cover art. Thank you. That's all. That's all. Thanks to James. James Sarwata from Uganda. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. It, it is amazing. What made you choose the title? My thoughts are dangerous. Well, crazy I'll, title. I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. So when I was in university, we were in an African-American theories class. So basically we had to use a bunch of information that we studied before and come up with our own theory about certain civil rights leaders. So one of the theories, I'm not going to tell you my theory, but one of my theories is really controversial. So I was like, yeah, it's true, you know? And my professor was like, you should be careful what you say. And I was like, why? And I said, isn't this a theories class? And he was like, yeah, but your thoughts are dangerous. And I was like, dangerous? What do you mean that dangerous? And he was like, these are the kind of thoughts that I mean, just be cautious. And I was like, hmm. Okay. So in the making of this book, it it was one of those things where a lot of people don't like to be vulnerable. They don't like to talk about certain things. And I'm all here for it. I think every job I've ever worked, I've gotten written up for insubordination because I question the boss. Because I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And everybody's like, shh. And I'm you like, I'm not shushing, you shush. What are you talking about? <laughs> Girl, I can identify with you so much. I am known to speak my mind too, and <laughs> not saying quiet. So I can so relate about like getting in trouble or at least feeling like if you speak your mind, people are gonna take you wrong and they're gonna have the wrong opinion. And guess what? It gets to a point where you don't really care. <laughs> After you get in trouble for so many times, you're like, whatever. Because the thing is, I was never a malicious person who got in trouble. You know, I always got in good trouble. Oh, <laughs> worth it. <laughs> trouble that was worth it. Of or course. At least it was worth it for you. Definitely. It was worth it for everybody. You know, it was like being constantly being the martyr. But 
you know, clearly no, nothing happened. What? I just signed a slip. OK, it still doesn't make your actions right. And you're supposed to be the leader. So mm-hmm. I, I never minded questioning leadership because they were never my leader. You were everyone else's leader. You were the boss of them, but you weren't the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That makes me think of a video by Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. And the video starts with like, what's the problem with men today? In his voice, right? What's the problem with men today? And he says, men simply don't think. No. Men, we don't, dive and think, right? we don't question anything. No. They're like, you know, go go to the left. And everybody goes to the left. And I'm like the person that is like, wait, wait a minute. What's on the right? Like. I want to go check out the right. Like, why am I not able to go to the right? <laughs> Girl, I'm the person that already went left and right. And I'm trying to tell everybody, hey, you know, over there is not what they say it is, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure. Oh, look. Oh, you don't believe me? Let me take an Instagram live. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Can you tell me a little bit about your book, the whole idea of writing this book, what the book is about? I'm going to be showing the promo video, but tell us a little bit about the book before we jump into the video. Yeah. So this book is for everyone. This book is for everyone, no matter what age, no matter what genre you like. It's a book for everyone. It's very, it's philosophical. There's a lot of introspection. There's a lot of questioning. It's about a woman who basically goes through a heartbreak in the beginning of the story, but it's a different kind of heartbreak because she's not your typical woman. She doesn't just hurt my feelings. No, she intellectualizes her feelings and she decides to be like, okay, this is what happened. This is the path that we took. I enjoyed taking this path with you. You were my best friend. You Mm -hmm. were my, you were my everything, but I understand that this is the end of this part of our journey together, but I still want to be acquainted with you, even though we're both going in different directions. So then you go from her introspection, then into phase two, you go into her kind of looking at the outside world and seeing the outside world for for what it is. And, you know, she's kind of getting caught up into like growing pains, essentially. Then in phase three, you go into her looking at society as a whole and seeing, you know, what she's questioning everything. Right. And she's not just following, but she's questioning and she's she's trying to understand why is it that you say this? Yet this is your action. One of my favorite poems in here is actually called uh, Men from Nation to Nation. And it's, it's it's a dope poem. I'll have to read it later. But Basically, it's just questioning everything. And when we've been told to be silent on everything, this isn't just, I'm not just talking about silence as a woman, because men are just as silenced as women are, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I want to be like, oh, you know, he's gaslighting me. He's this, he's that. But at the same time, like, at what point is it okay for a man to cry? In that same position, He's been vulnerable as well. And then if he does cry, he feel that he feels that he's in a certain position to not be as manly because he's showing his emotions. And that's what's been. Yeah. So it allows even the male reader to become more introspective and to even question even ways that he processes, because at the end of the day, a lot of men, when something happens, at least in my community, one of my friends did a survey. And a lot of them said that they just smoke weed and just chill and play video games to cope. They, they're not, or they call their mother. Those are the top two. So I'm thinking, you guys have like girlfriends. Why aren't you talking to her? You know, or why aren't you talking to someone else? It's that vul- vulnerability. Exactly. And vulnerability, that's something Brene Brown just, she, she goes ham on it. Like she goes amazing on it. And I would suggest even any of her books because she talks about vulnerability and guilt and shame and how we make other people feel. So essentially it's, I'm not just teaching you about vulnerability in a scientific or whatever kind of way I'm exemplifying what vulnerability is. So for me, this book, my thoughts are dangerous I had to kill my own ego to publish this book. I love that. I love that. And you know, it's such an important and relevant topic for nowadays 
with mental health and mental health has always been like a taboo topic no matter what you know female men young old any race any color anything right especially like the latin and the african-american culture but more so for men oh, and i see it all the time as a provider you know i get way more females maybe eight females out of 10 would have a better or an easier i would say an easier time saying hey i'm dealing with feeling vulnerable or sad or crying wanting to cry or feeling depressed or feeling lonely but if men do that it's like they're weak it's like they're not a man it's like all of these things that are associated and it's like no 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 like you're you're feeling your feelings you're feeling yourself you're getting to know yourself you're getting acquainted with the way that you're feeling it's not vulnerable as a matter of fact vulnerability in my eyes is brushing it off because you simply don't want to deal with it right. dealing with something that it's bothering you dealing with with the emotions and going hardcore and actually going through and working through those emotions it's not vulnerable i mean you gotta be a tough you know what to do to do that oh absolutely and i think that's as that's what makes us so strong as well and i often question what kind of woman am i what kind of woman am i am i being the woman who is allowing the man to come to me and to vent and to cry on my lap am i being that woman and when i started questioning that and improving myself, I started taking life coaching classes, not because I wanted to life coach, but because I wanted to life coach myself. So as I started learning to process and be more understanding with myself, well, here come a bunch of men in my inbox saying, well, I don't talk to anybody about this except my mother. You know, and, and this is like multiples of my friends, you know, because I work amongst a lot of men because I do a lot of different businesses in terms of like connecting you know, and, and being in a different country, you have friends from different places. So a lot of the times they'll vent to me and I'll talk. You know, I've seen some of my male friends cry. I've seen them be angry and in a rage. And, you know, you you when you see it, there's a human essence that comes out. At the end of the day, we're women. So we it's our jobs to cultivate and take care of our sons essentially. Like, that's how I see it is you're my son. You're my baby. You're my brother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're my, you're my sister. I see you because I see myself, but it's easy not to see other people when you don't see yourself. But when you can start to learn to control your own thoughts, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what makes my thoughts are dangerous. So dangerous is that I'm not going by the system that you told me to go by society. I'm going by my own understanding and my own rules. And I'm reading books like Think and Grow Rich and As a Man Thinketh and You've Got to Be Hungry by Les Brown, right? I'm reading all of these different kinds of books because I want to understand and have a deeper understanding of myself while still being of service to other people. And you know, something that it's important to me and that's something that I actually do reflect on myself is that at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're Absolutely. all actually we're all spirits spirits having a human experience. Yes. So we're not men, we're not female, we're not a daughter, we're not a mom, we're not a husband or a wife, we're literally spirits and we're having a human experience. So if we look at things from that perspective, we're all human, we're all spirits, and we're all the same at the basis, at the very, very, very core, without any labels attached or anything. That's simply what we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's in your book too. It is. It is. I, I, I didn't realize it, but I, that concept, I believe is called like game theory. You know, like we're just avatars in this, in this game yes. called life. Yes. And essentially when we decide to take off our VR, you know, which is our human uh -huh. body, when we just, that's when we pass away in this realm and then go into the next. So it's kind of like an arcade game. But then being here, you're like, well, I want to have fun. You know, that was always my issue is I want to have fun. Even when men would cheat on me and when I was in certain relationships, I'd be like, that is so selfish. That was always my first reaction. Is, that was so selfish because you're basically cheating on this game that we made the rules together. And now you're trying to win everything. Uh-uh. 
I don't want to play no more anyway. I don't like to play. Like, if we're going to make food, if you want to do that, then that's fine with somebody else. But tell me so I can at least prepare myself to play too. Right. Right. Make it fair. <laughs> right. I'm not into playing anymore, you know, but. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Let me show the clip from your video. I'm super excited to show okay. it to our viewers because I loved it. And let me know if you can see my screen actually, okay? Okay. Yep, I can see. You can see, okay, perfect. Let's play it. You know, Hadija Toto, you shouldn't say that. I can't hear you. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. That video is so amazing. I'm in love with it. I think you are so talented. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I'm really not. I, that's just that's just me using my degree for the first oh, time in time. You are talented, girl. Own <laughs> it. Own it. <laughs> so we were talking a little while ago and mm -hmm. you me a picture and i think that picture is so amazing you are so happy i could see the happiness literally from the picture do you have a, the picture can you show it to us let me see it <clears throat> this picture is a picture from a long time you know it's funny let me tell you how the universe works is when this picture was shown screen share When this was first shown. <laughs> oh my gosh, look at that happiness face. I love it. I love it. So, so tell us about the picture. Okay, so this picture is, as you see, it was in 2009. I went to school in Fairfax County, Virginia, and it was it was a dope school. I went to a school where it was completely diversified. Everyone just, we all just lived our lives. We had a lot of fun. I'm not sure what other people's experiences were, but I just remember I always took people for face value. And I just remember I was always kind and I was always at least trying to be. And I remember when I got nominated and I was like, okay, for homecoming queen and it would happen year after year and then on the final year i wasn't expecting to win because i had been on the court for all three years so i was like maybe they'll choose someone else and they were like okay get out the scepter which is like the thing that i'm holding in my hand right here this is the scepter okay now when they said the scepter i'm like i don't know what a scepter is what is a scepter i didn't know, you know i don't know yeah, so it was in the box. They were like, whoever has the scepter won, won, wins. And so I'm like, okay, where is this scepter? And I'm looking through the little white box that's in my hand here, right? And my mom's like, Victoria, you won. You won. And I was like, no, I didn't. They said a scepter. And she was like, 
that is a scepter. So like imagine in in the audience, everyone's quiet, everybody's waiting, everybody's looking around at each other, trying to figure out who the homecoming queen is. And I'm sitting there like basically having a small argument with my mom, talking about that's not, they said a scepter. And my mom's like, that is a scepter. Take it and pull it out the box. <laughs> I'm like, take what and pull it? Because I don't understand what it is, right? So then she pulls it out and then she like hands it to me. And I'm like, oh, I won. And then. <laughs> wow. Wow. Why, why was that so meaningful to you? It was so meaningful to me because my school was 4% black. So when a lot of people, you know, I, I admit I was the token, the quote unquote token, but it wasn't for reasons why people would think. I wasn't the token minority because I tried to be like other people. I was the token because I was myself. I had a very clear understanding of myself very early. I've always been... You know, I mean, even look at these like, beautiful women at the bottom. Like you see, like you know, Asian, mixed, white, Spanish, um, Asian again, white. You know, so we had a good mix of different people. So to even be voted amongst a diverse crowd, it showed me and told me who I was because I wasn't, as you see, I wasn't small, I wasn't skinny, I wasn't a fashion model size. I was, but but it didn't matter. It wasn't about what I looked like. It was about who I was. Who you were. Mm -hmm. That is so that is so potent. And it reminds me, one of the poems that you have in the book says, her perception, you're talking about the mother. Okay. And you said, her perception of me wasn't a reflection of who I was. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. Yeah. And that goes, that speaks so loud because many times we are living life through other people's opinions and we're making our decisions based on what others want us to do, how others want us to look like, how we should based on society and all of these things. And yet you were just being yourself and because you were being yourself and you were being unique and because people saw you for who you were, that's what actually made you win being homecoming with. Yeah, you know, and being you, has gotten me so far, you know, and I think because I learned it very early, I don't, I, I can pretend to be other people. I can act, right? I'm trained in that, but also that's only if I'm angry or I'm upset, then that's where my acting skills kick in because I, inside I'm like, I am so angry, but outside I'll be like, <laughs> You know, because I know at the end of the day, when I smile, it changes other people's perception or opinion, mm -hmm. or it'll make them angry. And so I decide, you know what, if I can't necessarily control myself in this moment on the inside, I can't control the outside. And usually, you know, when you fake a smile like this, your endorphins start flowing and you naturally become happier. Uh -huh. I figured that trick out early, you know, when you're going to school and maybe even home life isn't necessarily the best. School was always my my safe space of of happiness because I could create whatever world I wanted to. And my friends always had my back. So I never, I didn't face bullying either because uh -huh. I'd be like, what'd you say about her? What did you say? Oh, okay. We're gonna handle this, and I'm like, no, 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 don't. And they're like, this is what I already did, and I'm like, but it's always because I think my friends are super protective because they know they know the kind of person I am, and they know that they like even some of I I hang around with everyone. So even you know in college I had some some things where I was like the leader of like a certain floor, right? I was a resident assistant. And basically something happened with one of the residents and one of the residents started like coming at me in a certain way. And the other resident was like, don't you talk to her like that. You need to shut the F up. And she starts saying all these bad words. And she was like, I'm only doing this because I know you can't do it. And I was like, okay. I respect that. You know what I mean? I was like, but 
come over here. You you don't have to do that. Like just let that person feel how they feel. Because while I loved that I was highly respected and and loved by by those people, at the same time, I don't want you getting pissed yeah. off for me and then doing stuff for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I want you to observe that I'm not affected by what they say. So take that lesson. Don't feel like you have to be in my defense. I want you to be more like me in that sense of calmness. And I expect that if I become angered or take certain actions, that you hold me accountable by my own standard that I set of just calm down. That's huge. That's huge. And I know we talked uh, for a little bit about how you actually felt and dealt with emotions, higher or lower, I should say, lower emotions of anxiety and depression. And I think it came kind of subtle for you, right? Out of nowhere. Absolutely. Yeah. The depression, it was funny because that year I had come home because now keep in mind, like before COVID happened, I've been in China for five years. So I come home on like a random break that we had. And I was only here for like a week or two. And my mom and I are having a discussion in the car. And I'm like, mommy, how can you like, how can you face depression? Depression is you have to control your mind and then you can control your thoughts. She's like, but it's not, it doesn't happen like that. It just happens suddenly. And I'm like, mommy, you just have to control yourself. You know, maybe I ordered that in and ushered that in for the universe to give it to me. I kid you not, two weeks later, I'm on I'm on the plane heading back. It hits me like I describe it as falling in a hole. You know, when you're in the forest and there's the little trap hole that they set up. I feel like falling in the hole and then you're trying to get out and you're screaming. You're like, hey, I'm down here. Can somebody help me? Can somebody help me? And you're trying to, you know, climb up and you keep falling down. And somebody said, hey, I can hear you. And then you're like, hey, hey, can you help me? And then they're like trying to send their people. And then you notice that when they try to pull you up, they keep falling down. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to pull you down into this. Go ahead. Bye bye. And then all of a sudden you notice you start seeing different tunnels and you're like, okay, 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 okay. I'm waiting for the light. I need to see the, the light of the tunnel. And then as you're crying in the train station, basically by yourself, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't think I'm meant to live. I don't know if I'm, I'm meant to be here. I can't, I can't take this anymore. And you start getting anxiety and you start shaking, right? And then all of a sudden something happens where you're like, stop. Why am I choosing to feel like this right now? And then you hear someone from the tunnel say, hey, hey, the light that you're looking for is within you. You have greatness in you, says Liz Brown. You have greatness. You are the light. I am the light. You mean to tell me I've been sitting in this dark tunnel the whole time to know that I'm the light? Okay, uh, Mr. Liz Brown, uh, how, how do I activate the light? You have greatness within you. I'm great. Wait a minute. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And as I just keep saying it, I just start brightening up like a like a butterfly and metamorphosizing. And all of a sudden, I don't have to climb out of the hole. I just fly right out. And I recognize I am the light. Wow. How long was that process for you from realizing that the light, actually the exit, the escape, the solution, the key was within you and not anybody, anybody or anything else outside of you. I actually ended up going to therapy. I saw a hypnotist, Steve Nanosi, shout out to him, greatest therapist ever. And he helped me navigate through. So this is to go to show that you need to ask for help. And it's okay to ask for help. I've always been the strong person who was always helping other people, right? Uh, Brene Brown talks about uh, in her, like in in one of her sessions, she talks about how sometimes the helper doesn't like to be helped, right? And then she talks about how if, if you can't receive help, then like, how can you be a better helper, right? But I think there's a level of pride that we all have. 
of it's okay for me to loan this person money or it's okay for me to support these people because I'm in such high position. But when you get knocked down, it's the people around you who you picked up on that level that then pull you back up to that level. So that's why I always say about myself, like, I'm glad that I grew up and I wasn't a complete, you know, wacky jerk because even being home, like, this is my story of me being home. I fell into a deep, deep depression of, of I haven't been here in the United States for over five years. And then I come back and everything about me is weaponized. My vulnerability is weaponized. Me being black is weaponized. Me being a woman is weaponized. Me being Muslim is weaponized. Everything that I am, everything that you label me as is weaponized, but yet the world loves me. So I, I don't understand. And I'm like, wait a minute, pause. You said that, but when I left and I went abroad, when I went to Dubai and I went to Thailand and I was in China and I went to all of these different places, everybody loved me. And then I come home and people still love me. So whose narrative is it that I'm supposed to be oppressed? I'm supposed to be a terrorist. I'm supposed to be ashamed to wear my scarf on my head. Scarf lip. I'm supposed to be all of these things, but I do not, I do not hold myself susceptible to your simulation of a program that you downloaded in everybody else. Because guess what? I've been in this program in five years, so I am refusing to repatriate. I will not repatriate here. Everyone else will repatriate to me. That's because cool. I've lived a life that's just been happy. And mm -hmm. and I and I decided that I wasn't going back to China because of what's happening right now. Because I was like, at first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to go back. I can't wait to go back. This is too much for me. These people are too negative. Oh my goodness, this is too much. This is this whole black and white stuff is stupid. You know, and I, let's just talk about racism for a second. <sighs> Let's simplify it. It's real stupid. It's real. It's real. Let me let me correct myself. That wasn't a nice word. It's whack. It's whack. I'm gonna tell you why. Racism is whack. I am a teacher. Hello, everyone. My name is Miss Toto, and today we're gonna learn about cows. Or, hmm, yeah. What kind of animals do you know, Karen? I'm not. I I I I like it over here. Well, Becky, I like it over here. I like blue. Karen, you like red. Hmm. Well, guess what? I'm not gonna play with you. But you you can you can. I don't want to play with you. Everybody on the red team, we don't like the blue team. Everybody on the blue team, we don't like the red team. Who's with me? Um, hello, my name is Miss Toto and I'm the teacher. Everybody sit down because nobody said anything about any red shirts or blue shirts. Everybody sit down. And matter of fact, we about to erase the board because blue and red don't even exist in this classroom no more. Since y'all don't know how to get along, we put it, we're throwing it out. We're gonna only use black, black markers now. And when y'all can get it together, y'all let me know and then we can introduce the red and blue markers again. But until then, I don't have time for you. That's how simple it is. So where the teacher at? That's the question. Mm. Teacher done left the classroom to go to the bathroom real quick when the kids are acting up. Mm -hmm. That's and you know, it, it's learned. It's learned. It is. I mean, it, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if it's, it is learned for sure. Everything is learned. Just like us learning to choose our own thoughts is learned. Us learning to not choose our own thoughts is yes. learn. We choose every single thing. And I think I even touch on that. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends it, and we were discussing like the LGBT, you know, Q community. And I was like, he was like, well, you know, if indeed 
I, I, no, I told them, I said, if indeed it's a choice to be gay, then indeed is it, a it is a choice to be straight. Whether we want to say it's natural or it's not natural or whatever we want to label it as, just by the simple philosophical analytical standpoint of what we're looking at as this is a choice. If this is a choice, then therefore thing has to be a choice. also a choice too. So at the same time, if you want this to be the main choice, then that's whatever you decided as your truth. And like even going back to the to my book, like that's why I say on the back, we are one people living through different simulations. We define and choose to be our own truths while living in a co-created environment within multidimensional realities. So Fernanda, you are living in Fernanda Torres's reality and Hadija Toto is living in Hadija Toto's reality. But when we come together, we are merging, we are coexisting our realities. So it's not my job to tell Fernanda Torres what her reality and simulation that she exists in should look like. Because Fernanda is playing a game called Torres and Hadija is playing a game called Toto. But it just happens to be that sometimes our games meet up and we cross paths on the way. Mm -hmm. Now, there are certain rules in terms of destruction, but most of the times I would say we do that to our, our ourselves oftentimes with our mental and our mind. However, when you take someone else away from their game, that's where the problem exists. And that's the problem with racism in America today. It's the fact that you are taking, you are take, you are trying to take me away from my game. This is my game. You can't do that anymore. We're not in those times, honey. Age of Pisces left a long time ago. We're in the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true. And I'm telling you, I had such a cultural shock when I came to the States too. Of course, you know, when you are in a country where there is really no immigrants and everybody's basically the same, then you don't see anything different. Right. And I'm telling you, and I'm not lying to you, when I came within a month, I started like noticing this mental condition of like, these people are better than me. And then I'm like, no, 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 oh, hell no, no. It's the mental condition of the TV, the radio, yes, people in positions of power, the mm -hmm. government, everything that you see, it's like the sign, like, like doing this mental conditioning. And I was aware, girl, I was like, no, it's not. I know I'm not any different. Right, right. But I can see how anybody, like children, especially like young children, as a matter of fact, and it's so funny. My son came to my room this morning as I was working and he said, mom, I've been thinking that I feel like I have to prove to myself way more because of my color, the color of my skin. Wow. Today we had that conversation. And how old are you? Like, 14. You know, and I'm like, we had, we, we ended up having like an hour long conversation when I was like, the only thing that matters is how you feel within yourself and how, you know, you have to do you to make yourself happy. You don't have to do anything else to make anybody else think anything other than what, no, that's not how we play this game. Right. And just because you look a certain way doesn't mean anything else, but I can see, and I'm telling you, I, I felt it too. I was 13 when I came to, to this country right. and I was thankful enough that I recognized it and I was able to kind of stop it at that point and say, no, 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 no. Yeah. And when he came to me today and we were having this conversation, I'm like, that is not how, how I want you to see yourself. I don't want you to see uh, yourself as I got to try harder or I, you know, I got to do things a different way because I look the way that I look. Right. That's not, that's not, Right. But you know what it is? It's because the the regime of simulation of quote unquote oppression and dominance is done. That game is over. So what's happening right now is that we keep seeing the players trying to reinsert the disc, reinsert the disc, reinsert the disc. And the machine is like eject, eject, nah, eject. Nah, uh -huh. Like, uh -huh. I'm sorry. Yes, the VHS works very well in a VHS set, but you cannot 
put a USB in a VHS set recorder. That's not how it works. So you need to upgrade your system. And it's not our jobs to help you do that. Either you do it and you be naturally, you know, the rejected stone, whereas everything's the head's gonna become the tail. The tail is gonna become the head, but it doesn't even have to be like that. If you just understand and stand within yourself and understand that that doesn't need to happen, but you cannot, you cannot convince a people who have been, and I say a people in terms of not color, a people in terms of mental conditioning. You cannot convince those who have been mentally conditioned of how high up they've been when they're not, right? So the problem, the issue that we're seeing is you're seeing a clash of the ages, right? So you see all of the younger people are like, uh-uh, because my friend is this, my cousin's this, my, you know, it, my other person looks like this, and we don't, what are you talking about, mm -hmm. right? So at the end of the day, it's about we control our own narrative. And if more people can it can understand that they control their narrative. I only understand it for now. I only understand it because I left to go abroad. Thank God that I did that because I promise you, I promise you, I would still be on the same track of, of quote unquote complaining in a way, right? Because one of the things that I learned from being, now China has its own issues right? No, nowhere is perfect, but however, I developed as a grown woman there. So being there, I came there when I was 23 and I'm 28 now. So going there, I became a woman and I, I even, you know, reverted into Islam while I was there. And I really, I didn't watch TV for five years. Anyone who came to my house, it was always covered up. The TV was always covered up. And that's where I started writing. And I started analyzing myself and how I feel in Chinese philosophy. I mean, just even the air there is Zen, right? Because everyone thinks on this level of, you know, you can have the people who have two faces, of course, but there's a, a philosophical, a different philosophy, right? You have Western philosophy, where it's like Socrates, Plato, et cetera, where you have those philosophers are like Confucius, right? And you might even have some Buddhist philosophy in there. And even the religion, the meditative, the meditative states that you go in, you end up learning a lot about them and you end up actually seeing how much inner work, right? Because with that society, they're about the inner work. I was gonna say that. outer work. Whereas we're about the outer work and not worried about the inner work, but the inner work is the most important. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can't emphasize that enough. Mm -hmm. So when you were dealing with all of these uh, feelings, anxiety, depression, and everything, what do you think was the were the things that helped you the most to navigate those feelings and to actually get out and cure perhaps, or just resolve those feelings once and for all? The, the turning point for me was when Steve would ask me questions and he would hold me accountable for my actions. And he was not allowing me to play the victim in my movie, in my story. He was like, how are you going to cry about some things that you provoked? Like, and then he would show me, X, this is what you said. Is this correct? And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, okay, look at how this action made this action, made this action, made this action. So he literally stopped me in my tracks and was like, you can't cry about, he didn't say this, but this is me just summarizing the experience. You can't cry about the destruction when you set the fire. Right. Because I'm like, my, my house is on fire. <laughs> and he's like, you lit the match. You know what I mean? And now you're crying about it. Talking we all do that. We yeah. all do that. <laughs> we create so many messes. And then we're like, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. Well, we created it. So how do we get out of it? Being accountable. What else helps? Being accountable and 
understanding that you're not perfect and looking within yourself to figure out what the issue is. So I'll tell you one book, the book, oh, the book that helped me a lot was Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. It is about the law of attraction. And basically it is a step-by-step process book where you choose out your feeling, how you're feeling. And for every feeling that you feel, there's an activity that you can do to practice out of that feeling so you can vibrate higher. So it was practical. Now, when I first read it, I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of weird. You that know? happened to be the first time that I listened to Esther Hicks. I was like, yeah. like I'm like, uh-uh, she is doing too much. But then when I actually, there was, a, because it's not a book you can just go through like that, right? It's, it's like one of those things where you have to process it. And every time you read it, it's different because you're different. Uh-huh. So as I kept, you know, you know, with Bob Proctor, he has Think and Grow Rich. With me, it's asking, it's given. And I realized, am I asking vibrationally and functioning vibrationally for what I really want? Are my thoughts being my thoughts? Right. And so I started doing different activities. So if I felt depressed, I would go to, you know, sadness or depression and I would go in the book and then I turn to the activity page and then I would do the activity. And one of the activities is called fun. You just write fun in the middle of the paper. And then you think about everything that's fun to you as a child. Oh, I like playing with my toys and I like doing this and I like doing that. And as you focus on the activity and doing it, what you find is you end up going back to your childhood state and actually enjoying what you're doing. And it puts you back in the vibration. But what I loved about it is that it was practical. It wasn't just something that you read and you understand for yourself. Because sometimes when you get wisdom, it can be, unless you you have the understanding of it, like now I don't necessarily have to do Esther Hicks stuff. I pull it out to actually teach other people about it, but I don't have to pull out the book. I It's within me and I understand that I know. So yeah, I can go to, you know, one of my, like I can go to my holy book, you know, the Quran for me, like I can go there and I can open up to whatever page and really reflect in on it and understand it fully because of who I am. But that took like Reiki healing training. You know what I mean? It, it, it made me immerse into other things. So that's why when you're saying, I'm sorry if I'm not answering your question. No, you are actually. Who I became is what helped me cope, is that I started taking Reiki healing classes. I started immersing myself in the healer's world because I was seeking healing. And then as I, when I became better, I noticed suddenly I was the healer. And I was like, what? You know, and it was just like everything, like John always tells us, everything you seek is, everything you seek is seeking me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeking healing and healing is seeking me. And therefore me being in control of my thoughts, me being unapologetic, you know, I will walk around with my headphones in the middle of the street, just like dancing, rocking away because it's my world. I don't have to be angry because you're angry. I don't have to be sad because you're sad. Now I understand it. It's important to empathize. And it's also just as important to acknowledge the worst thing that you can ever do to someone who's hurt is not acknowledge how they feel and to tell them what they see is not what they're seeing and you're gaslighting them. Well, guess what? You can gaslight, but I'm the water and I'm here to pour all of the water on the gaslight. Since the gaslight doesn't exist, right? Oh, no, that doesn't exist. No, you can't not be held accountable for your actions. And that goes back to our other conversation about, you know, this ridiculousness of the the red shirts versus the blue shirts <laughs> argument, you know, back into the classroom of you're, you have deniability. Therefore, you don't have to be shamed, nor do you have to be guilted because you're saying that it doesn't exist. And as long as I can say that this thing doesn't exist, I don't have to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. But then it makes you say, okay, so you're guessing, you're telling me that this doesn't exist. Okay, well then I'm just going to take this water You see this clean bottle of water? It's called truth. And I'm just going to take it and put it over the fire. And as you're tipping the bottle over, 
They're like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't put it over there. Don't put it. Up. No, no, no. The fire doesn't exist, though. It does. It, whoosh, 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 right? The fire. No, the fire doesn't exist. It's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Shh, 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 shh. Okay. Drink it. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't exist. So if, if it need, it's not your job to say the fire is there. The fire is there. No, don't even say nothing. That's something I learned in China in action. Sometimes mm -hmm. the best action to take is none at all in terms yeah. of just take your water and put it over the fire. You don't even have to say nothing because, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to keep denying that the fire is there. They're going to keep doing it. So just be quiet and just put the water over it. And it, they'll be like, <gasps> You got me wet. No, but there was no fire there. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You'll dry up. The sun is right there. You're fine. That's amazing. And you know what I got out of it? The way that you manage those emotions, and it's a very similar way that I manage my own emotions. Maybe we use different methodologies and maybe we use different um, outside techniques to feel better. You use that book. I use some other books. You use the force of different therapies, you use the hypnotherapies, you use different methods, but ultimately it's understanding that the answer it's in us. Mm -hmm. And if you're seeking, yes, and if you're seeking health, health is seeking you. If you're seeking well-being, well-being is seeking you. If you're seeking clarity of mind, clarity of mind is seeking you. So once we realize that the solution for our depression, the solution for our anxiety is not for our significant other to behave a different way or for right. our kids to have it straight A grades at school or for, you know, the paycheck to become triple as much as we are or for right. us to have a different car or a different job. But the solution is literally to go within, mm -hmm. change the thoughts, change the narrative mm -hmm. and things will change. Absolutely. And not only that, but the attention, attention of Instead of saying, well, I'm so depressed and I'm so depressed and I'm so depressed and I'm so depressed. No, I'm feeling this way, but what can I do to feel better? What are those things that I can do on my day to day, on my present, on the right now that are going to change that focus, that are going to change those feelings, that are going to change those thoughts? Because ultimately, we are the only ones in control of our thoughts. Absolutely. But see, Harriet Tubman said it best when she said, if only they knew they were slaves. Ooh. And th this is no different. Now you guys are becoming thought slaves. You're enslaved by your thoughts. Mm -hmm. The media is controlling your thoughts. The other people are controlling. We were just talking when we were off air, right? Of when I was saying why I quit journalism. I didn't feel comfortable being told if it bleeds, it leads. I yes. didn't feel comfortable being told I need to report on all of these negative stories all of the time. I didn't feel comfortable. I wanted to, I was the one that wanted to go into the donut shop and talk to the donut owner about how did you get your business going so fast? Do people know about your business? What did you have to go through? What are the lessons that you learned? You know, those were the kind of stories that I wanted to tell. I wanted to report on stories about, you know, I did some in college where I was reporting about Zumba and people losing weight, you know, because of it. Those are the stories that I enjoy. I'm so put in a position now as a profession and I'm writing a basketball story and they're talking about, no, spin it this way. Tell them that the students had to stay up super late. And so that's the problem. You have to always create a conflict. And I was like, I have to, oh, excuse me, what did you just say? He was like, you have to always have some type of conflict to make a good story. And I was like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing that. And if you change my story, you better not put my name on it. Don't you know this man gave me an F? And this was like at the, it was like this class called iPad Journal. And the, the guy, I, we were interning for CBS and he wrote on my feedback, on my feedback, he wrote, you are cocky. You are cocky and, oh, oh, what did he call me? See, I that's the worst thing. I didn't even internalize it. Yeah. He's you're cocky and it was another word that I was like, that's rude. And I had never been cocky. I had never been cocky before. Like I've been called a lot. I've been called a jerk. I've been called an a-hole. I've been called a B-word. You know, I think every woman has been called a B-word when she stands up for herself. I've been called insubordinate, but never. Oh, that's what it is. Cocky and obnoxious. 
I think I've been called all of the above and more cocky and obnoxious than anything. Probably. And then I was like, cocky and obnoxious. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Newsman. I must have really disrupted, you know, the lie that you wanted to tell that I didn't allow it. I didn't allow the lies of either side. And that's the difference because both sides are emphasizing and being dramatic. And I didn't allow that to be. And I was like, is this really what news and what media has come to? We have to constantly create conflict. We have to have the juice. We have to have gossip. We have to gossip about each other. We have to talk about each other. But how about we stop talking about each other and talk about how we've overcome to become ourselves Mm -hmm. and thereby coming together? I think that's a better story. Let's let's make a revolution of the stories that we tell one another. Let's make a revolution of the thoughts that we allow ourselves to think. Let's make a revolution of the mental state that we're in. How about that? That sounds like a really good story to me and a story that I'm interested in. I'm interested in knowing how Mr. Les Brown has been dealing with cancer and still alive. That's the story that I'm interested in. I'm sorry that I'm not interested in students having to stay up at 10 o'clock because you think, because you're older and you don't live in their life, 10 o'clock for a college student is like, that's dinner time. You're up till 10, 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So don't spin your perspective of where you're not over here because that's not the reality. And you don't get to insert your reality into my reality. That's not how that works. I love that. So. And that's exactly why I'm telling you that is exactly why positive blueprints exist. So I can get the message out the way that I want to get it out. Well, see, positive. Oh, yeah. The time yes. is now. This the was time the is now. for us. The time is now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love, I was watching, you know, some of your other interviews and I was like, wow. You know, and I started, I had to catch myself. Because I was like, she's like interviewing doctors and all of these people. And I was like, who am I that she wants to interview me, you know? And and I had to catch myself in that moment and say, you have a doctorate in cultural ambassadorship uh-huh. and mental health. You experience, your experience is, is your story. Your experience, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, don't compare yourself. First of all, don't compare yourself to other people. See yourself just as great as you're looking at them because you're functioning on the same level if Fernando was talking to you and asking you. So I had to, even my thoughts, I had to control and I had to create, and this is where it comes in. I had to create a new narrative for myself of saying, oh, well, I mean, if she's doing that, she's doing, that means I'm the same. Of course. Yeah. Of course. course. We all have greatness within us. Right. (laughs) But we don't compare our our greatness to one another unless unless it's like wow how did they get their light to turn blue hey 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 blue star how did you do that and then usually what i found is the blue star is like hey all you got to do is say left left right and you say left left right and you're like i'm blue now right and then you start exploring different colors because they know certain things and they're willing to help you guide, but you just have to ask the right questions to get there. And if we're sitting there complaining and crying, we're being we're being stuck in this area of, see, because what they say, either you're in action or you're not in action, right? So either you're deliberate or you're not deliberate, but they never talk about the in-between time. I wanna show you my favorite story. Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. And this story, kids' stories have the greatest lessons, first of all. But this story, there's a time where he's going to his dream. And there's a place where they all get stuck, where they all end up stopping and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's to get out of that waiting part and to just go. Mm-hmm. So you have, to believe, you have to believe that once you get the belief, like, he says at the end of the book that you're 98 and three-fourths guaranteed to fight your dream. But I I literally, look, look what I did to his book. A hundred percent. I love that. Yeah, because I was like, uh-uh, Mr. Seuss, you're not going to tell me that I'm not about to have a hundred percent guaranteed nothing. I'm moving mountains and the mountain going to move. We're going to make it. And yeah. if it's going to be, it's going to be up to us. 
you and I and each person individually. So if you want to have what you want to do, if you want to be able to accomplish what you want to do, if you want to feel a different way, it is up to you and not anybody else taking responsibility, taking accountability and looking inward for solutions and not outside. Absolutely. And it's always the practical part that's difficult for people, right? Because what I noticed is even this is what made school difficult for me in terms of uh, the lower level. Because in college, I have a technical degree, technically, because broadcast journalism. So everything is practical. I was trying to figure out why, you know, in broadcasting, I'm making great grades because it was about doing. It was about doing, redoing. One of my favorite, one of my... I had two favorite college, I had a lot of favorite actually, but I, two, Dr. Dr. Jong uh, and Colleen Phelps. She, Colleen once told me, we were sitting in class and you know we had to do our reports and I was like, <clears throat> and my name is Hadija Toto and I'm reporting news live at seven. And so she's like, Hadija, why are you talking like that? And I was like, I'm trying to pretend to be a newscaster. You see how they talk up there? I said, I did good, didn't I? And she was like, you don't have to try because you are. You are it. You are a journalist. You don't have, you sound how you sound. I love that. You, she, and, and, you know, I was concerned for a little bit as well because I was like, well, I'm heavier too. Like I'm plus size. Like I don't never see no bigger women on the anchor, like on the anchor stage. And I was like, you know, and she's like, uh-uh, don't you, don't you create that narrative for yourself. If you want to be a right. anchor as an anchor in your size, in your color, you accept that mm -hmm. and you don't have to try to be an anchor because you are an anchor no matter where you walk. Mm -hmm. And to have her say that to me was so beautiful. And I remember the compassion that Dr. Jong had for me as well. And she, she China, she's Chinese and I laughed because actually when I moved to China, I emailed her and I used to always call her Dr. Zhang, right? Because in, in English spelling, Z-H-A-N-G, is Zane. So I was like, and she would be like, my name is Dr. John. I said, your name is not spelled J-O-N. I'm not calling you Dr. John, right? <laughs> and she was like, you are so fun. She thought I was so funny. And then when I moved to China, I was like, I said, Dr. John, I just want to let you know that now I understand why your name is spelled and pronounced the way it is. And I apologize for all the trouble that I would give her, but she, she, she knew, but mm -hmm. she used to work for like you know, CCTV there. And so it made everything real of her resume that she would tell us, like, I worked for CCTV in China and I've done this kind of journalism. And, you know, as a university student that had never been abroad, I'm like, you ain't work for no real news station, you know, like in my mind. And I'm like, but it's okay because we're going to have fun anyway. But then as I went to China, I was like, Oh my gosh, she worked for CCTV. Like, oh my goodness. Like, this is so cool. I had an amazing professor and I didn't even realize her greatness because in America, and I blame this as an American problem, is that we want the world to see us while we refuse to see the world. And that is unacceptable. It's not okay that other countries are watching our elections all the time, but what elections are we keeping up of other countries? And that's something to burden into question. And I'm I'm tired even with the United Nations. Like this is a call to action for the United Nations. All of your citizens are here in America and you should be concerned about the safety of your citizens that decided to immigrate from your country to come here. This should be a major concern to all of the United Nations. And if it's not, I question who the United Nations is and why they assemble. That is so true. Very true and very powerful. Very, very powerful indeed. And I thought that was conviction. <laughs> to finish up, I want to for you to share with the audience, where can they find your book? Where can they find more about you? Can they work with you? How do you, how do you go about that? Yeah. Okay. So my book can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Just type in my thoughts are dangerous. Um, Exilbris, if you go to uh, xlibris.com 
and then you type in my thoughts are dangerous, you can buy it from there as well. To contact me, I actually have all my contacts in the back of the book as well, but I can go ahead and say it. You can find me on Instagram at Hadija Toto, no spaces between Hadija or the or the Totos. So K-H-A-D-I-J-A-H-T-O-U-T-O-U. I'm also on Facebook at I am Hadija Toto, same spelling. And I am on, I'm on IG, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, which is the same name. Yeah. So yeah. Contact me there. If you want to book me, just email me at hadijatoto at entranceu.com or message me. I'm I'm always in, in the inbox and I get the notifications. So I'm always willing to answer and always willing to go on different shows and just talk. You know, I'm a conversationalist at the end of the day. Like, I don't know how to, I give speeches without knowing that I'm, you know, giving one. <laughs> That's that's you know because in the classroom I'm a teacher. At the end of the day, I'm a teacher. As you see, even the whiteboard I'm over here designing it. Like, let me welcome Fernanda so nicely. You know, like I'm a teacher, and I'm used to being around young kids, third grade, fourth grade, and these are the kinds of things that I talk with my students about, and I talk to them just like this. And guess what? They're nine and ten years old, and they understand what I'm saying. So if what I'm saying is difficult for an adult to comprehend question the mental capability and the what you are allowing your mental capability to be. Because if you feel like, oh my gosh, what she's saying is dangerous. Oh my goodness. No, I just choose not to think like you and I choose not to function in fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be scared of. The game of all of that negative craziness is over. I think one of my favorite quotes to finish up is no amount of anxiety will ever make a difference to anything that it's ever going to happen. So mm. how we mm, let, let that resonate. Say for that, say that just one more time. I'm sorry. Just say it one more time. So I close my eyes. No amount of anxiety is ever going to make any difference to anything that it's ever going to happen. Yes, lady. I had the same feeling when I when I heard that quote. I was like, "Oh my! I need a I need some moment to let it think, marinate, and resonate because it's so powerful." We allow it to exist. Why? Like, oh gosh, we could talk all day, but I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love you. It's been such an amazing talk. And I am so thankful that you are with me today. You are phenomenal. You're great. Your book, I'm loving it. I can't wait to finish reading it all and over and over and over. And I love the artwork and you are extremely talented and I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that I will always say all praises be to Allah, all praises be to God for that because I don't see what you see, but I will acknowledge that the works that have been given to me are allowing me to function and do certain works. So I will say thank you for acknowledging and even allowing me the opportunity and space to exist in your reality and in your realm of life, because that is very special to me because you could have easily decided not to see me, but you decided to see me. And to me, I just wanna say thank you for acknowledging my existence. So thank you. I see you, girl. <laughs> you. All right. Thank you. Have a good one.